is the big ponder. This is Susanne Papavasilio for the Big Ponder. And this is Reverend Dan from KXLU Radio in Los Angeles. Let me just refresh this map. It's pretty bad out there, hoodlums. Please be careful. If you're near downtown, it's really bad. You have my sympathy. If you're on the west side, it's really bad. You have my sympathy. Are you on the 605? It's really bad. You have my sympathy. Wherever you are, are you having problems? You have my sympathy. His unique traffic report nails it. It's vague, yet somehow accurate. Always. In this episode of The Big Ponder, I will try to find out about traffic jams. Standing still in traffic. Nothing really anybody likes, but it's part of our lives. Nothing we can control if we drive a car. And especially when you live in Los Angeles or in Berlin. And it drives most people insane. Most, but not all. So what does it do to you, getting stuck? Well, it depends. If I'm late for something, it's very stressful. But if I'm not late for something, I kind of enjoy it in a weird way because I always like to see what I'm passing by. And I get to look inside the cars next to me and wonder about the lives of those people who are stuck in the same river of cars. Um, if there's anything interesting, you know, next to the, the traffic area, I love it. This is my friend Michelle. We're driving back to Los Angeles from a visit to Mount Baldy in the San Gabriel Mountains. When it comes to traffic or traffic jams, she's a bit like me. I live in Berlin, where I rarely drive a car, but I remember, even as a child, I found traffic jams exciting. You could see who was sitting in the other cars and think about what people were doing, who they were, where they were going. I wasn't in a hurry. There's a poem from the Indian writer Nilim Kumar that somehow relates to that. Traffic jam. As I drive out from home, I forget suddenly where I'm headed. But when I'm in a hurry and stuck in traffic jams, I grow restless and I remember. Many people tell me, I saw you the other day in the traffic jam. Yes, but who was it that saw me in the traffic jam? I have to enter another traffic jam to remember. I have never really been in a bad traffic jam lasting one or two hours. Most people get stressed out about it after a few minutes, like my father, who was always totally annoyed. When I'm driving on the freeways, I find it almost pleasant when things slow down or come to a stop. I get more stressed out when everyone is driving really fast, too speedy for me. Uh, southbound side is jammed as you make your way out of the West Los Angeles area uh, from a little bit before Santa Monica Boulevard, and it stays slow into Culver City. With traffic like that, How relaxed could someone be who drives for a living? I meet Laura. She's a driver for Lyft, a competitor of Uber. I thought she would be super annoyed getting caught up in traffic jams, but to my surprise, she's relatively cool about the whole thing. Like here on the um, Google Maps, it says that there's um, a nine-minute uh, delay to where we're going because of an accident. And so, you know, then it's a choice. 
if you're smart enough and you're looking at an app, then you get off the freeway and take a side road because it's always going to be better than being trapped on the freeway. Okay. But if you can. (laughs) Then you make the best of it. I mean, I think driving Lyft, there isn't, you know, you're, you're kind of forced to have, not forced, but you know, you have people, some people want to talk, some people just want to sit there. Um, that's always either makes it a pleasure or, you know, like the longest 20 minute ride that you could ever go on. Make the best of it. That's her motto. And maybe there's also something positive when the flow of traffic comes to a standstill and everything stops or just crawls. Well, so I look at the people in my car, like people who are going to do a little bit of a cross town drive, like you and I were going to be in the car for like the next 25 minutes let's say and um i kind of look at it as your opportunity to ask any question you want about anything and the person in the back can say i don't really want to talk right now or they might answer you and so sometimes you can really have the most amazing conversations and like i had this one guy he looked like a college professor kind of a little stuffy maybe a math professor something very conservative and he was into following the alien conferences and it was the longest drive it was all the way from silver lake all the way down to where the airport is in los angeles which is about an hour away with traffic then i said so what's this conference i mean it's quite a far way a ways to go you know is it something you're into or is it part of your job and Then he told me, you know, it was kind of following this one guy who was really into extraterrestrials. And I said, well, what do you think about that? And so then he gave me like his whole opinion of it and what, why he believed in it. Which, you know, where else would I get that conversation? It's just, it was just, it was like story time. And so really traffic And somebody who chooses to take a long ride, it's kind of cool because um, you get to ask them anything you want. So being stuck in traffic can have its story hour. Good size. Has lots of stories. So I think that's the, the traffic plus or a long ride plus, which is the same thing because traffic makes your ride longer. For traffic experts in Los Angeles, the fact that people have already become accustomed to daily traffic jams is nevertheless unacceptable. Michael Manville is such an expert. He's an associate professor for urban planning at the UCLA Luskin School of Public Affairs. One way to think about this is that traffic is a reality in most big cities. And so it's healthy, if you accept that reality, to find a way to be good-natured about it. But we shouldn't have to have coping mechanisms to deal with the chronic failure of our public services, right? Imagine if every day, you know, for hours, the electricity went out, right? And then people, some people would say to you, well, you know, but I I think if it's good family time and, you know, I don't, I'm not watching TV, which I didn't really want to do anyways. And we we chat a lot and candlelight's very nice. And all those things are true. Uh, But actually, electricity is pretty important, Right. And so, like, it really is the case that in a metropolitan area of 8 million people, you know, people need to get places. And the government has promised to help them get places, and every day it fails. 
Attempts have been made for decades to beat the traffic jams of Los Angeles. So far with little or no success. For the most part, there was the idea of simply adding more lanes to the freeways. Oh yeah, I think that in the United States for the first decades, uh, first few decades of the post-war years, that was the, the go-to way to manage congestion. It gradually became more and more controversial because it's often quite destructive. But even today, you know, a lot of highway agencies have not given up on the idea that you have a congested freeway or even a congested service street and the thing to do is add a lane to it. It seems like a logical idea. There are so many, too many cars uh, on the freeway, so just add another lane or two. Right. So if you think about here we are in Los Angeles, 8 a.m. on the 405 freeway, it's a nightmare. And the fact that it's a nightmare means that some people are going to take a trip at 6 a.m. instead of 8 a.m. to beat the traffic. And some people are going to ride a train instead of get on that freeway to beat the traffic. Uh, and some people are going to take a different route. They'll, they'll weave through the canyons on a surface street instead of being on that freeway at a busy time. And so if you widen the road, it's true that initially the road starts moving faster. But what does that do? I mean, it, it, in a sense, it lowers the price of being on that road. Right? And so some people who would have gotten up at 6 a.m. now get up at 8. Some people who would have ridden the train now get in their car. Some people who would drive through the canyon road get on the freeway. And in short order, the road is every bit as congested as it once was. Now, in fairness to the people who like road widening, it's carrying more people. right? But none of them are moving any faster. Michael Manville has been researching the field for 15 years and has had to throw his initial convictions overboard in the process. When I first came to graduate school, I thought the solution to traffic congestion was uh, public transportation. Uh, but it's not. Why not? The same reason widening a road isn't, right? You know, all the things that we just ran through, like what happens when you, widen a, when you uh, add a lane to a freeway, the same exact thing would happen if you built a train next to that freeway, right? Some drivers would be pulled off the highway and onto that train. The highway would start moving a little faster. And next thing you know, some people who had gotten up early or taken another route or taken another mode would realize that the freeway was a little faster and they would get on it. So what, what public transportation does, which is extremely important, is it gives you another choice and it lets you avoid congestion. But it doesn't fight congestion if by fight congestion we mean the road moves faster. So think about London, think about Tokyo, think about New York City. Absolutely, you know, when they're working, you know, fabulous public transportation systems that operate right beneath very congested roads. If public transportation reduced congestion, that wouldn't be true. Tokyo would have no congestion. London would have no congestion. But the only place in London that it doesn't have much congestion is in its congestion charging zone. Congestion charging or congestion pricing means that you pay something for using something, in this case the freeways, because you use them during the peak hours and thus contribute to congestion. Every so often the idea for a so-called city toll is discussed in Berlin to relieve the inner city of traffic, so far without success. However, Berlin has a very well-functioning public transport system. But even here, it's almost impossible to avoid traffic jams on some of the city's freeways or on the surface streets. But compared to Los Angeles, Berlin is actually more of a paradise when it comes to traffic jams. Those traffic jams here are completely different. Traffic jams in Berlin aren't that bad. 
But of course, we've grown tremendously. We've all known that since the mid-2000s, Berlin has become insanely hip. We have grown tremendously. We have around 400,000 more inhabitants. In Los Angeles, I have the feeling that people are growing up with this congestion phenomenon. It's really insane in L.A. No, that can't be compared to here. This is Micha. He's a real Berliner with a Berlin dialect. He's a good-natured guy around 50 and has been driving a cab in Berlin for over 14 years. Until 2021, you had to take a local knowledge test to get your certificate to be a cab driver. Now the obligatory navigation system in the car takes care of that, but Micha has learned properly. The most important connections and routes throughout the city, and he still relies on this knowledge only. He only looks at the usual apps to check the traffic situation. He's an optimistic person, meaning he doesn't complain too much or get upset when things don't work out as planned, or in that matter, don't flow fast enough. First of all, I try to solve the issue with the customer, whether it's okay for him to take a different route, not exactly the shortest one in some cases. And then it's a matter of finding a solution right away, if possible, of course, anticipating things in advance. Unexpected traffic jams cannot be taken into account, of course, but the classic daily traffic jams can be foreseen and in some cases even avoided. Emotionally, does it annoy you? Yes, of course, for a short moment it can happen that I am annoyed. Absolutely, absolutely. Because, of course, it's my working time and, among other things, also lifetime. And the turnover, you know... For us, time is also a very important factor, so to speak. If you have a day when the traffic is heavier, you'll have fewer customers. And if you haven't earned your money by a certain time in the day, you won't be able to catch up anymore. We drive on the A100, a city freeway in the direction of the famous Punktum, the radio tower, and the trade fairgrounds. The traffic is getting heavier. Actually, it's almost always too dense here. Fast columns of cars, or as we refer to it in German, sheet metal avalanche, Blechlawine, is only slowly making headway. But we are still rolling, in spite of that. This junction is chronically overloaded in Berlin, more than overloaded. It is the busiest freeway intersection in Germany, I would say. And there's a major reconstruction of it in the planning. It jams up here, sometimes the whole day in this area. From here it leads to the Autobahn towards Magdeburg, Leipzig and also to the former racing track Avus. There are quite a lot of entries and exits close to each other. So it doesn't really bother you that much? Not at all, not at all. Because I know it's only this stretch it will end. If we have to go through now, we'd rather stay a little bit on the left because on the right there's a traffic jam because of all the entrances and exits. We know that nowadays. The freeway entrances and exits make it particularly difficult. In addition, on the Berlin freeways, the average motorist is overburdened. The speed is often too high for this traffic density. This reduces the safety distances and people are no longer able to react. And that is why there are so many accidents. He 
His experience as a cab driver has also been scientifically proven. For more than 20 years, Michael Schreckenberg from the University of Duisburg-Essen has been researching the topic of traffic jams and the associated human behavior. He's the leading traffic congestion expert in Germany. Unfortunately, these areas of intensely flowing traffic at the interchanges are more or less like pumps, which means they create one wave of congestion after another. That is, I drive out of a wave of congestion and then I think it's over. But then I drive into the next wave of congestion. That is very dangerous. We have a lot of accidents, especially in these situations because people then relax and accelerate and say that's it, but that's not it. And then the next wave of congestion comes and I might drive into the end of it. These are all phenomena that can be observed very well from the air. Or now that you have data from the vehicles themselves, with that you can also see from the speed profiles how that happens. The congestion waves occur every five to ten minutes. This has been relatively well researched by now, but of course it can't be prevented as long as people are sitting in the cars. These behaviors are simply due to human nature. The reaction time of one second also plays a role, and also the inattention of many road users, which then leads to this phenomenon. What others try to avoid, Schreckenberg sometimes does on purpose, seeking out traffic jams for scientific reasons. Of course, a cab driver doesn't do that. But even cab driver Micha can sometimes appreciate a sudden standstill. As he said before, there's always solutions. Of course, you have to accept things in life or accept things as they are. We can't always go against everything. So, hey, we have to take life as it is. And we are not alone in this situation. And we all know, living in big cities, that we have to live with it. It's just part of it. And when the car goes a little slower because we're stuck, you open the sunroof and hear the birds chirping. I have often said to passengers, look, in the middle of the city, we have nothing but the birds chirping. We are just standing here. That's great. And if you allow this and don't get sucked into being annoyed, you can get some calmness. Absolutely. Sure. darauf einlässt und nicht nur in diese ach keine Ahnung, Grimmigkeit in diese ja, Nervigkeit abdriftet, ja, die kann man schon daraus nehmen. Unbedingt doch. Klar. So there is a positive side then. Natürlich. Und wenn es dann nachmittags passiert und du wolltest eigentlich vielleicht noch Of course, and when it happens in the afternoon and you actually wanted to work for another hour, hour and a half or even two hours and then suddenly you realize you've been standing in traffic for a while not moving, then you think maybe I'm going to finish work now. It's my life, my time. And I slip out of the traffic jam and just drive home, not doing any more trips. Suddenly aware of how much I enjoy some unplanned free time for myself. That's absolutely a positive aspect. Genau, das kann man auch so nehmen, unbedingt. Auch einen positiven Aspekt. In Berlin stockt es vor allem auf den Pendlerstrecken 113 ab Johannisthaler Chaussee, 114 ab Dreieck-Pankow und 115 von Potsdam-Babelsberg bis Kleinmachnow. Da brauchen Sie jeweils bis zu 15 Minuten länger. Those who cannot simply end the day because traffic is at a standstill, what do they do? Just endure it? Is congestion pricing really the solution? The congestion or traffic jam specialist Michael Schreckenberg is skeptical. 
In Germany, people have tried to price traffic jams. The idea was that people who got stuck in traffic jams should pay for them. I have always said that one should actually do the opposite, that the people who don't have traffic jams should pay because they can drive freely and those who are stuck in traffic jams are already punished by it. The pricing looks very quickly like punishment. This is not something people will take too easily. The richer people are favored because they don't mind. They have tried, for instance in Sao Paulo, to allow on weekdays only certain license plates into the city. It took about 10 years in Sao Paulo for the traffic to return to the old level. This led, for example, to people buying several cars so that they can drive depending on what is currently valid. For every remedy, there is a kind of antidote. You really have to see what exactly you are aiming at. There are a lot of projects around the world, but in the end, not one has really been successful. In addition to that, there's the human factor. You're not stuck in traffic jams, you are the traffic jam, Michael Schreckenberg says, meaning you don't even notice that you've caused a traffic jam with your behavior, like using your brakes on the freeway, for example. And the other human factor, being on the freeway during peak hours. That means there's a certain capacity for suffering involved. People adjust and plan on being stuck in traffic for a while. That's not great, and it's not good for the environment anyway. But in these cases, people have no other choice. The way the structure in Los Angeles is laid out practically dictates this behavior. And something would have to be fundamentally changed about this, and also about people's behavior for a real change to take place. Komi Ajisi is working on this fundamental change. He's head of the Southern California Institute of Governments, otherwise known as SCAG, whose mission is to do regional planning for the six-county region of Southern California. Feasible visions for the future are being developed here that could improve or establish sustainability and quality of life. Congestion pricing is one, but not the only vision. Definitely congestion pricing, as we call it, is one. It's probably a very important one. And shifting to biking and walking can be a difference. I think it can be some difference, uh, especially in around the community where people don't have to drive. And a lot of communities to drive to go get to go get groceries, you have to go on the freeway, you know, for one stop and then get off the freeway to get there quicker. So those choices that we make to drive two, three miles that includes driving on the freeway could be solved if we have a better biking environment in the community. So that's that's one. Definitely during during the peak period, um, people going to work, um, that's really where you have the congestion. Everybody wants to get from home to work uh, to the job center, and so everybody's on the freeway between 6 and 9 in the morning and between 3 and 7 in the evening. Um, those are the peak periods, and they have congestion. People sit in traffic, and some people get up at 4 a.m. so they can be at work in time. You know, These are choices that we make because we think we have to be on the freeway. And there's a lot of us that probably should not be on the freeway at those times, but the only way you can figure out who will choose to be there is if there's a cost to being there. If you charge people a premium for that period where everybody wants to be there, some will make the choice to say, I really don't need to be here, um, so I'm going to stay back. 
And I think that's what congestion pricing uh, does. It does have this potential of being able to create more capacity. Instead of building new freeway lanes, it creates more capacity on the existing system. Ideally, there should be discounts for people with low income. But more than anything, alternatives to driving in Los Angeles should be improved. Cycling, walking. In only a few neighborhoods is this a given. Go Human is the name of the project that was developed by Skag for this purpose. It's more of an educational campaign um, where we're showing, uh, you know, we'll come into a community if we're invited and we'll demonstrate how you can install a pedestrian system on a street, um, create a bike lane on a street safely. We work with the city planning department. We work with the public works department, the police department that enforce. Uh, we work with all of these uh, elements of the community and the political um, um, elites that are in the city as well, the, the political leaders, I should say. Uh, we work with them as well. And they come out and they see it and and. And we have like a, like a, almost like a festival around this concept of oh, look what your street could look like if you had pedestrian opportunity. People bring their kids, they ride their bikes. It's easier to show that than if I give you an engineering drawing of what this could be like and then take it to city council to get a vote. People will not quite conceptualize it. What has happened is when people see that demonstration of a go human kid of parts is They want it. And so now it's easier to begin to work towards it. And that's been the slow change that we're seeing. Slow but steady. There might be a shift. Until then, even Comey Ajisi has to deal with traffic. Not on his way to work. He walks to work. His office is in downtown Los Angeles, one of the few areas where parking your car is a nuisance. But there are times he too has to endure what has become a normal part of L.A. culture. I, you know, I, I know not to get upset because it's happened so many times and, and getting upset and sitting in your own car and, I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't solve anything. And so what I, what I do a lot is I may make phone calls. Uh, it's an opportunity to make some contacts and get some business done, uh, mostly. Uh, and if there's no calls to make, then I listen to, you know, to a podcast or a book or a radio. Make the best of it. Storytime or Traffic Plus, as Laura calls it. Find solutions, like Micha. Probably that's the best approach for something that's inevitably part of people's lives, who drive cars, all over the world. As long as nothing really changes, be it through congestion pricing or through more attractive ways of getting from A to B without using the car, there will probably be traffic jams. It is what it is, you know. Uh, whether you're driving somebody in a lift application or, you know, as a job or you're just in it. In L.A., you really just, you know, um, the best is if actually if you have some kind of personal entertainment that can keep you amused, like an audiobook or a podcast or somebody that you like to listen to or music that you like to listen to interviews by, you know, people that you follow. Because that really fills your mind up with positive stuff instead of going down the, like, the trail of crap. It's pretty bad out there, hoodlums. Please be careful. If you're near downtown, it's really bad. You have my sympathy. If you're on the west side, it's really bad. You have my sympathy. Are you on the 605? 
It's really bad. You have my sympathy. Wherever you are, you have my sympathy. This podcast was produced for the Big Ponder by Susanne Papavasilio. You've been listening to the Big Ponder. This transatlantic podcast is brought to you by the Goethe Institute in collaboration with the Bertelsmann Foundation and Rundfunk Berlin Brandenburg. Thanks to all our friends on both sides of the Big Pond that make this series possible. <laughs>